It's a privilege to open God's word with you all this morning. I was eager to accept his invitation to stay over after the uh, test so that we could, uh, I could meet you all. Um, because um, in Psalm 16, it says, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And I love to go see where God is at work and see the churches that our friends pastor. So I get to see Ron a lot, but I don't get to see the church. So I was eager to come and, and uh, serve you today, meet you, and I hope I can meet more of you after this, uh, after this meeting. Um, our passage today comes from Isaiah chapter 40. So if you have that, um, if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn to it. Um, while you're doing that, I just want to pass along our church's thank you to those of you who have been praying for our pastor, Dan, one of our pastors in Aurora. He's been, he is diagnosed with cancer about two and a half years ago, went through some treatment that seemed to resolve it was in remission, but it came back with a vengeance in the last few months, and his treatments are really taking a toll and so he was going to preach last Sunday and just couldn't do it, just physically wasn't going to be there. And so I really felt like the Lord wanted me to preach and to preach specifically from this passage about how do we get strength to go through our trials? Because obviously Dan's dealing with that immediately, and there's other people in our church and our lives that are going through that. But you don't have to have cancer to need God's strength to get through trials. Um, anything that you're going through, whatever is keeping you awake at night, whatever is a burden on your soul, uh, whatever is that thing that keeps coming back to your mind when you're not thinking about anything else, whatever that is, that is a big deal for you. That is your trial, and you need strength to get through it. And so I believe that the Lord has strength for us this morning, and it comes from Isaiah 40, verses 27 to 31. And so the title of this message and the point of the message is that God will give you strength. So let's read from God's word, and then I'll ask for his help in preaching. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. We gather together this afternoon, Lord, with the expectation that your word will not return empty. It will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. And you know the hearts of everyone here, everyone listening. 
You know what we need, and you have a purpose for us with this word. And so we ask you by the Holy Spirit's illuminating power for the hearts to receive what you have to say to us and the faith to believe it and the courage to put it into practice in our lives. We ask this because Jesus, our Savior, has bought for us all the yeses to your promises. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Let's start by putting this passage into its context. So the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are largely about uh, a word of judgment on Israel for their centuries of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And so it ends in chapter 39, at the end of 39, with this pronouncement to King Hezekiah that soon all the wealth and most of the people of Jerusalem are going to be carried off in the future by the king of Babylon, and everything that he built is going to be ruined and gone. And so that's out there in their future. But in chapter 40, the emphasis changes to a word of comfort. Despite what's going to happen, Isaiah passes along this word, and it is comfort. Comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. That's a promise of deliverance from captivity and from the guilt of all of their sins. It would be partially fulfilled when the exiles would return from Babylon, but its full Fulfillment wouldn't be until centuries later with the arrival of the Messiah, the one who would be pierced for their transgressions and crushed for their iniquities. That would be Jesus Christ. So they know that deliverance is out there in the future somewhere, but they've got today's problems. So how do we get through this prediction of of all sorts of ruin in our futures? How do we get through what's going on right now as we're waiting for this horizon where there's going to be some kind of deliverance? Well, God has an answer, and the answer is, I will give you strength. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. And that is God's word for us this morning also. We know that Jesus was crucified, died, paid for the sins of all who believe in him. That was in our past. If you believed in that, then that is your reality. And we also know there's a, there's a, a deliverance on the horizon. There is a, a resurrection. There is the finale. There, there is life and the world to come. But that's out there somewhere. So what about today? What about the things that you face, the things that are keeping you up at night, that you worry about, how are you going to get through those things now? And God's word to us is the same as it was to Israel long ago. He gives power to the strength, to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. <clears throat> God will give you strength. So we're going to find out how, what that strength is, how we get it, what it will do for us as we walk through the passage. So let's begin with this observation. The strength that we need isn't physical. Or at least we should say it's not mainly physical. The strength in this passage 
that it addresses is strength of the heart and soul that's needed to persevere through our trials, through our discouragements. In verse 27, Isaiah gives voice to what the people of Israel were thinking as they pondered their present and their predicted troubles. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? We could rephrase his think, their thinking this way. God doesn't see me, and God doesn't care about me. My way is hidden. My right is disregarded. I'm on my own here. That's the thinking. God's not paying attention to me. I face injustices, and there's no defender in my corner. I'm just, it's just me against the world. It's me against the problems that I face. It's overwhelming, and it's disheartening to live that way. That's the weakness that's in view here. There's a weakness that's not physical in nature. It's the weakness of the heart and the soul. You can be the picture of health. You, you can be as strong as an ox, but there are things that will make you not want to get out of bed. Things that drain the life out of us. It could be a broken relationship with someone who is close to you. Could be a friend. Could be a family member. Could be regrets over mistakes you've made and their ongoing consequences in your life. Or a sense of futility that nothing that you are doing is making any long-term difference. doesn't seem to matter. could be fears about the future, about your job, your finances, your kids, the culture. There's a weariness that saps the life out of us. And it's not about physical exertion. It's this feeling that it's me against the world. My way is hidden from God. And we lose strength. So the strength in this passage is talking about the strength of the heart and the soul, the ability to take the next step in your life with courage, with hope, with confidence. And that strength has to come from God, which is where Isaiah goes next. The strength we need comes from God. In verse 28, Isaiah challenges Israel's perception of their situation. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. And he goes on. In other words, he's saying, people of Israel, you know better than to say that God doesn't see you. That he doesn't care what's going on with you. You have known. You have heard. You've had Priests who have taught this stuff since you were kids. You, you know about the history of Israel. You know about how God chose you to be this nation in a special relationship with you. You know that he delivered his law, his good ways, by which if we keep them, we shall live. You know about his rescues out of Egypt and out of all sorts of calamities. Like, you've heard. You know. He's the God who sees, who knows, who cares, but you have forgotten who God is, what he is like, what he promises to do, and that's why you lack strength. This happens to us. 
Our problem is not that our way is hidden from God, but that God's way is hidden from us, though not from his side. <laughs> he has revealed himself to us. We have, we have a Bible. Uh, we've been given the Holy Spirit, if, you, if you're a believer in Christ, who, who allows us to see, illuminates us, illuminates our minds. Like we, God has shown who he is to us. He's revealed himself to, to us in in creation and in the scriptures. But there's no strength that we have when we look only into ourselves and when we forget what God is like and we start to function as if he's not there, as if he doesn't care. And then we just look inward to our own resources and we compare our resources to the problem in front of us and we lose strength. Well, Isaiah gives them a, Attributes of God 101 class. So let me tell let me let me redirect your your minds to the God who actually sees and cares. Because that's where you're going to get your strength, is from this God. So let's let's turn our eyes back to him. That's that's where he goes next. In verse 28, there's four things that he says about the Lord here. He says first, the Lord is the everlasting God. That means he has no beginning, no end. He exists from everlasting to everlasting. He's self-existing. He's always existing. He existed before there was anything, and if everything were to end, he would still exist. There's never a time when God is not. He even exists outside of time. So here's a takeaway for your life and mine. It means there will never be a time where God is not present, never a time when you can't call upon him. He's always there. He was there in your past. He is there now. He is here with us. He will be there in your future. No matter when you face a challenge, no matter when you're feeling the stress of life, God will be there. And Isaiah adds to that. He says also, the Lord is the creator of the ends of the earth. Not just that he created the earth, but that he created the ends of the earth. All of it. Here's what that means for those of us who need God's strength means God will always be wherever you are, wherever in the earth. And if you were on the International Space Station, he'd be there too. He is always there at all times and in all places. No, whatever, no, no matter where you're going to find your challenge, God will be there in your house, where you go to school, where you work, where you travel, he will be there in the hospital. He will be there in the funeral home. God is in every place where you need strength. And that's good news because he has strength to give. Isaiah goes on, he tells us that God does not faint or grow weary. Think about that. God is not a being who can get tired. 
Nothing wears him out. Here's a measurement about how limitless God's strength is. He was not tired after he created the universe. It was no problem for him to create galaxies. Everything that's flung way out there that the James Webb telescope is now seeing, he made all that and it didn't tire him out to do it. When it says in Genesis that on the seventh day he rested, it wasn't because he was weary. It just means he stopped working. He stopped creating. He could have gone on like that forever. There's just no exhausting God's strength. He doesn't need rest. You and I need rest. The Sabbath was made for man, Jesus said. It wasn't made for God because he doesn't need it. But you and I need it. And that's why we take rest, partly to say, I am not God. (laughs) I am created. He is creator. And this is a difference. (laughs) I get tired. I faint. I grow weary. God doesn't do those things. He can't. His power is infinite. So you and I are like a, a thirsty person. When we're going to God for strength, we're like a thirsty person who comes out of the woods of Minnesota, where I used to live, and comes upon Lake Superior. And you're thirsty, and you see the largest freshwater lake in the world, and there is no way you could drink all of that in a thousand lifetimes. It is just inexhaustible, really. That's what God's strength is like. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. Millions upon millions of people could be looking to him for strength. And he can be at the same time giving every single one of them what they need to get through their situation. There's no obstacle in your way that God couldn't remove if he wanted to. Or give you the grace to to endure it. to, To be sustained in it. There's no evil that you face that God cannot overcome. There's no power that can overrule his decisions or his activities. Nothing shall be impossible with God, is what the angel said to Mary about the virgin miraculous birth of Jesus. God is almighty. Finally, Isaiah says this about the Lord, his understanding is unsearchable. Unsearchable. You can't find the end of it. Not only is God everywhere at all times with his almighty strength, he also knows exactly the right thing to do with all of his power. There is no end to his wisdom, his knowledge, his discernment. So there's no person on earth that God doesn't know fully that he doesn't understand. He knows every one of you intimately, the hairs on your head, what you ate for breakfast 375 days ago. (laughs) Every detail, he knows. He knows what you're thinking, what you're worried about. He knows. And there's no problem that he isn't aware of no problem he doesn't know how to solve. He's not wringing his hands over, this, over America. He's not wringing his hands over Russia and Ukraine. He's not wondering what's going to happen next. He knows. 
And he not only knows what's going to happen, what happens now, but he knows what's going to happen in the future because his understanding is past, present, and future. It's outside of time. He knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning because he declares the end from the beginning. He is managing, orchestrating, overseeing, ordaining all things that come to pass. He's just sovereign over it, over everything that you're facing. So it's simply not true that your way is hidden from the Lord or that your right is disregarded by your God. He sees, he knows, he cares. And the God who is everywhere at all times with unlimited strength and understanding will give you strength. He is for you. And that's hopeful stuff. Because if you have a God like that on your side, then you can get through anything. That's why the Apostle Paul said from his prison cell, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that all things included what he said was any and every circumstance. Facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. In any situation we face, if the everlasting, ever-present, all-powerful, all-wise God is for us, then there is a way through. There's hope in every situation, and we don't have to fall apart. But how do we tap into the Lord's strength? How do we practically get it, get that help that we need to go through your illness, your unemployment, your kids going through the terrible twos, the latest bad news? How do you get through that? How do we get the strength for that? Well, Isaiah tells us how we get strength from God. And it's in verses 29 to 31. The first thing necessary to get strength from God is admit your weakness. Admit your weakness. Verse 29, he gives power to who? To the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. If you're faint, if you have no might, then you qualify to get God's empowerment to get through. God doesn't give strength to the people that think that they're strong, that think that we don't need him, that I can do it without him. Me against the world, fine. No, he doesn't give his strength to that attitude. He gives it to the people who know they're weak, who know they need him. That's the person who's going to get help. That's what Paul heard the Lord say to him when he cried out in his distress. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul spoke of a thorn in his flesh, something that was painful going on in his life, could have been physical. Whatever it was, it was so bad that he could remember three distinct seasons where he pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. I'm like, I just can't take this. Please, Lord, take this away from me. I can't do life with the, this way. Three, three distinct times he remembers asking God, please take this away. What was the Lord's response? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. 
I do my mighty, thing, mighty things through people who know themselves to be weak. So Paul said, well, all right then, if that's the way it is, I'm not going to resent my weaknesses. I'm not going to resent all the challenges that expose my weaknesses. Things like, and then he lists, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Uh, I'm not going to resent that. Instead, I'm going to boast of my weaknesses. I'm going to be content to own them because when I am weak, then I am strong. Strong with God's power, God's strength in me. We receive God's strength and his power is perfected in us when we own the fact that we need God to get us through. Unless we think that's not true, verse 30 sets us straight. Isaiah says, Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. When we think about the demographic that has the most energy, the most strength, we think of those who are young. It's young people who are in the Olympics, not old people, with the exception of curling. So Winter Olympics, you could be a 55-year-old potbelly guy. As long as you can slide that stone across the ice to a fixed point, you could get a gold medal. But that guy's not going to win the decathlon, right? It's the young. That's who we look to. That's the demographic that we associate with strength, vitality, energy. And the Lord reminds us even they will faint. They will fall exhausted. Why? Because you're human. You're limited. You're not like the Almighty in that way. You're not omnipotent. Even in your prime, even older people, I think my, the best years I ever had, oh, I used to be able to do this. You still had to sleep. You still had to eat. You got sick. Your lifespan is limited. We aren't God. The best of us, the most vibrant of us, have limitations. Only the everlasting God does not faint or grow weary. But you and I do those things because we're not him. So the starting point for receiving God's strength is humble ourselves. Acknowledge our need of God. And that principle is built into the gospel itself. We don't receive salvation until we first admit we need a savior. We need saving. We don't receive forgiveness for sin until we first confess that we have sinned. We don't receive the riches of God's blessings until we're first poor in spirit, humbling ourselves before our God. When we do that, when we say, Lord, I need you, and I need Christ to save me, that's when God declares, all is forgiven. Welcome, my son, my daughter. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Enter into the joy of your master. All these things, they, they flow out to us lavishly from our generous God when we admit we need him. That's what makes us qualified to get strength. But to get God's strength for the challenges in life, there's one more thing that's needed. Something we need to do. Verse 31 says it like this. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. 
If you want God's strength to get through life, you need to wait for the Lord. So what does that mean then, to wait for the Lord? I think we can put it real simply. Trust and obey. There's an old hymn that said, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. They had it right. Trust and obey. Waiting on the Lord means we trust Him to, as we do the next thing on our path of obedience. It's Psalm 130, 5 and 6 kind of waiting. We see these things in that psalm. The psalmist says in, in Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. So two things are going on there. Let's walk through it. First, there's hope in God's word. In his word, I hope. That's part of the waiting. I'm hoping in your word. That's the trusting part. If we want our heart and our soul to be, right, be revived, the first thing we need is to believe that the God of verse 28 is really on our side. Go back to what we know. The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, who doesn't faint or grow weary. The one who gives us everything we need. He's real. I believe that. I hope in that. I know that. I'm leaning on it. That's what the psalmist is talking about. This is not a God who doesn't see and doesn't care. This God sees, this God cares, and this God is for me with all of his almighty power. The reality for the believer is that the God who is everywhere at all times with unlimited strength and understanding is for us in Jesus Christ. He does see us. He does care. He has made promises to us, all of which find their yes in him, according to 2 Corinthians 1.20. God's made promises to those who, who say, I need you. Like Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Those are promises to us that are yes in Christ. God promises that when we get to the thing that we fear, the circumstance that's making us faint, he will be there and it will make all the difference. We get strength by remembering that. And all of that comes to us through Christ in his life, death, and resurrection so that we could be made right with God and become sons and daughters. That's getting strength from the gospel. Paul said in Romans 16, 24, God is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Yes, he is, because everything flows to us through Christ. I can remember a week in the pastor's college 20 years ago now when the good news of my acceptance with God through Christ came alive for me like it never had before. I had been a Christian probably 15 years by that point. Um, and I was a genuine believer, and I had trusted Christ for forgiveness. But day by day, 
I was really legalistic in my thinking. I was carrying this burden that I always had to do better than I was doing. You know, I was totally aware of all my failures, all my sins, and trying to do better, living under this weight of guilt and condemnation. So functionally, the gospel wasn't working for me. But after a week on the gospel with Jerry Bridges, it was like a light bulb went on. I realized that my doing better, my, my desire to make my guilt go away by doing better was trying to atone for my own sins. And I can't, which is why there was never any hope in that. But the good news is Jesus already atoned for him. He already has paid everything that I've done and will do. And God is satisfied. So stop it, Mark. Stop trying to do that. (laughs) And now there's a new motivation for obedience, which is I love you. And I want to do your will. I delight to do your will. That's the new and the only really lasting motivation for obedience is the freedom that we have in Christ from this guilt and condemnation. I'll tell you what, that changed me. I got physical energy from that. Every, all of a sudden, life seemed happy. Life seemed full of opportunity and, and things to do and reasons to live because of a perspective change that the gospel made a difference. That can happen. I experienced the confidence of Romans 8, 35, and 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Always through him. Never just me against the world. But through him, more than conquerors in all these things. Waiting for the Lord means hoping in his word, and that means trusting in the God who has given us all of his favor through Jesus Christ. But there's another part of this waiting on the Lord, and that's the obedience. Doing the next thing in obedience. Going back to Psalm 130, it says, My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. So there's a picture of a person waiting for the sun to rise. Now, maybe this is a a priest who's waiting for the sun so that he can give the the morning offering. Or maybe it's the person who's on the wall of the city and he's been watching out for a surprise attack in the dark and he's waiting for for the sun to come up so that he can be done with his work. Either way, whether it's the guy on the wall or the priest who's waiting to do the sacrifice, both of them are doing what they're called to do while they're waiting for the certainty of the sun to come up. And that's what it looks like for us to wait on the Lord. We have something more certain than the sun coming up. It's that God will give power to the faint. He increases the strength of the person who waits on him. As we step out in faith to do what he calls us to do, knowing that his help will be there, he will meet us. He will give us what we need. Let's apply this to a life situation. Um, Think about a hard conversation that you have to have with somebody that you don't want to have. I mean, who wants to have a bad, hard conversation, right? But I know hard conversations are the things that I don't really like, probably one of the most things I don't like. Um, There's something that you need to bring to somebody's attention. It's a sinful attitude. It's the wrong behavior. It's something that's too big to ignore. It needs to be addressed, and you just don't want to do it. You know, like, 
you know, maybe they'll get better, or maybe somebody else will say something. And you just kind of let that thing hang there because you just don't have strength to do that. How do, you, how do you do it? How do you get through that hurdle of not wanting to and just kind of dragging your feet? Well, I think you go through a process, the Isaiah 40 process. First, you admit your weakness, and you go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I need your help. I don't know what to say exactly. I feel like I'm going to say it wrong. I might make things worse. All of that could happen. So I need you. But I think this needs to happen, and I think I'm supposed to do it. You pray. You humble yourself. You hope in God's word. You remind yourself, okay, God's not going to forsake me. There's promises. He'll be with me always to the end of the age. He'll give wisdom to those who ask. If the conversation goes badly, he's still sovereign over everything. He'll cause all things to work together for good to those who love God. So I'm going to fortify myself with promises surrounding this conversation I'm about to have. And then you act. You step out in faith. You say, I know that when I get there, God's going to meet me there. And you set up the meeting, and you open your mouth, and you say what you prayerfully planned to say, and you leave the results in God's hands. And now it's over with. It's done. It's been my experience that once you actually go through that process, when you get to the thing you fear, it's actually going to go better than you thought that it would. You'll find that God meets you in it. Even if they do get mad and walk away. Maybe that's what needed to happen. We trust God with that. But we did the thing in faithfulness, trusting him to meet us. God will help you. God will give you strength for all your challenges. Here's what it'll look like when we get his strength. The last point is what God's strength enables us to do. Here's what happens when they who wait for the Lord have their strength renewed. Verse 31 says, They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What that means is we'll have strength to fit every occasion. From the extraordinary to the ordinary challenges in life. So here's the progression. First, when God renews our strengths, we shall mount up with wings like eagles. That's about divine assistance to overcome impossible situations. Because eagles, think about it, they have wings, they can just take off and fly up and over every obstacle in their way, right? But we can't do that. Um, The closest we can get is you get one of those bat suits, those wing suits, and you jump off a cliff, but you're just falling. You're not really flying. You're falling gracefully. Uh, Looks cool on GoPro video, but... It isn't flying. It's not eagles. (laughs) Eagles can start from here and go up there. We can't do that, and so that's what this is about. There's challenges that seem impossible. We'd need wings to do it. It would be a miracle if I can get through this thing that I'm facing. But the Lord says, I can do that. I gave eagles wings. I can give you wings. I can get you through the impossible. I can do the impossible. And maybe, that, maybe for you, that's like getting a building that you own instead of you know, renting a place. That, would be, that seems impossible, right? God can do things. He can do impossible things. He can get us through things that we just think, there's no way. 
The text goes on to say they shall run and not be weary. This is about periods of intensity, intensity, unusual levels of stress. Uh, Unlike flying, running is something that we can do for a time, but it's not something that we can keep up forever. It could be a period of work overload at the office, a period of family trauma, uh, finals week in college. It's when you're under the gun. It's when you're stretched. There's so much to do. It looks like there's not enough time to do it. The Lord says, wait on me. I will give you strength for that. I will get you through that. There's strength promised for one more thing. They shall walk and not faint. This is about the long haul. This is about the day in and day out existence of life, the ordinary stuff. This is getting up and going to work each day. Feeding the kids, paying the bills, keeping the car running, keeping your house from falling apart, trying to get some exercise once in a while, processing the daily news, serving others, doing good, attending all the other responsibilities that you have in life. This is day in, day out, walking. Life is described in scriptures mostly as a walk. It's a day by day, one foot in front of the other, plodding forward in faithfulness, with what God has called you to do. And that can be hard. That can make you faint. You can get weary, worn out. Who doesn't lay down their head at the end of the day glad that you can sleep? You know, like, I don't even want to think about tomorrow's task list. I just want to sleep. (laughs) You know, one day, each day has enough trouble of its own. (laughs) You know, I don't even want to think about tomorrow's trouble. Life is just like that. It wears on you. And God says, if you wait on me, I'll give you strength for all of it. And it's worth noting that the strength for this walk of life is what comes at the end. First it's flying, then it's running, and then it's walking. It would seem to me like, you know, if I was writing this, which is a good thing, I'm not. But if I was writing this, I'd think, okay, let's Let's uh, have the walking. God will give you strength for the day-to-day. And then there's the running. God will give you strength for those seasons of intensity. And then there's even, like the big one, the miracles, the things that are impossible. God will even give you strength for that. That would be a good way to end a sermon. But he says, flying, running, walking. That's intentional. Because what that puts the focus on is the walking. That that's the supreme thing that God wants to give you strength for. The day-by-day walking through this life in faithfulness, trusting God and doing His will. That's the ultimate strength that we can get, His ultimate goal. We get excited when God does something miraculous, when He gets us through a tough stretch, but life A life of daily faithfulness to the Lord is the greatest display of God's power working among those who are weak. Many people start out well and they end badly. God wants to keep us for the long haul. What the Lord intends to do with His strength in us is not just to have moments of miraculous deliverance, but a lifetime of dependence doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, trusting the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. The gray-haired saint who is still singing God's praises after a lifetime of tribulation and trials 
is one of God's greatest trophies. The greatest display of power made perfect in weakness. Praise God for gray-haired saints who are making it through. And may we all attain to that as we cry out to him for help and trust in his holy word. God will give us strength for the long haul, all the way to glory in the world to come. So let me close with this. And the worship team, you can probably start making your way up. Here's the takeaway from Isaiah 40. If you wait on the Lord, you will receive strength to get through every trial and challenge you'll ever face. Doesn't mean he's going to make it easy. They are trials. But God will get you through so that you don't lose your mind. You don't have to lose your joy. From Monday morning to martyrdom, God will give you strength In every trial, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. The strength doesn't come before you need it, but it will come when you need it. And that's what we can assume will happen, just like the watchman waiting for the morning. The everlasting God who doesn't faint or grow weary will show up and give you strength. You can count on that. So let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your promise. And we ask for your help to believe and to see you painted in all your glory in these verses and more to trust in the God who will not let us down who will not forsake us whose mighty hand upholds us and we need your mighty hand to do that we pray for our friends here in Pasadena give them this strength to go forth in obedience to you full of joy full of confidence that you are with them prosper them in the truth We ask in Jesus' name, amen.